Hello, my name is Tom Boone. And I'm Joanna Bailey. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Simple Flying Podcast, where we'll give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Here's what we've got for you this week. Coming up today, I'll reflect on the glamorous livery reveal by Northern Pacific last week, while Tom gives us the latest updates on the Qatar Airways paint saga. Joe will give us some updates with the latest with Air India, while I see why 5G is causing concerns for airlines in the USA. Finally, Tom will reveal the outcome of the Ryanair flight diversion in Belarus last year. So now you know what's in store, let's get on with the show. And I really wanted to dive right in with this um the latest in the row between Qatar Airways and Airbus because it's really reaching new heights now that I didn't really consider would be possible before. So last Friday, you know, I was just getting ready for my weekend, nice and happy, relaxing, and then bam, Qatar Airways dropped a video showing the in, the issues that it's been facing with the A350. And thus far, you know, um, d- the details of the actual damage has been kept fairly hush-hush, you know. There's been a mm-hmm. couple of um, leaked photos here and there, but um, really it's been um, a sort of confidential issue so far. But then earlier in the week, um, Airbus decided to pull the plug on Qatar's A321 order uh, for the NEO, and clearly Qatar wasn't happy. And it seems that um, it, its video has really been uh, issued to... Uh, retaliate against Airbus because they said, um, co- commenting on it, they said, we confirm that we are adhering to all our obligations under all applicable contracts. It is therefore a matter of considerable regret and frustration that Airbus has taken the apparent decision to expand and escalate this dispute. So for, straight away, they're saying they're unhappy with what Airbus has done. And it also came out just a day or two after um, Airbus cancelled Qatar Airways' order. So, you know, it, it's really pretty much impossible at this point to say the two are unlinked um i'd w- recommend looking at some of the photos and we've actually got the video as well on it's our website it's quite shocking really isn't it i mean it's it's yeah. a mess some of those planes yeah. they're just wow yeah i mean you know like I, d- I think i don't know if it's all the same plane or different planes but if you just saw you probably wouldn't see that if you were just standing on a jet bridge getting on a plane but if you sort of did a pre-flight of the plane before getting on it as a passenger I don't think you'd be super confident. Um, no. Like, like we say, you know, Airbus is saying it's just uh, cosmetic, but, you know, cosmetics count for a lot in an industry defined by safety, I'd say. Mm. I think it's three different planes because I think they'd like to show you a little clip of the registration and mm. then some of the damage. And clearly one is worse than the other two. But mm. um, you can see where it's beginning on the other two. And, uh, you know, nobody would be happy with a, a vehicle that looks like that, be it a plane, yeah. a car or a push bike. So uh, I, yeah. I'm not surprised. But I do think maybe going quite so public with it will have some repercussions in the future. We'll see. Um, I mean... You know, Qatar always has, um, it likes to sort of tell the manufacturers when it isn't happy. And I think it's done that for both Boeing and Airbus now on different things. Mm. Um, You know, Airbus has um, carried on saying that it's um, a non-structural surface issue and that um, Qatar always is basically mischaracterizing it as a safety issue. Um, So they're going to lock horns at the High Court in London in April, I believe. So watch this space. I might have to go to London for that. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, it'll be a very interesting conversation to be a fly on the wall for, but uh, something that was also interesting to not exactly be a fly on the wall, but definitely to be present for was Northern Pacific's big Boeing 757 unveil, um, which took place last week in San Bernardino. Um, so I was there. I was having a great time. It was great to be able to travel again. Um, Virgin Atlantic looked after me very nicely on the way across. So uh, I arrived in good form. Um but I have to say, the, the aircraft was the star of the show. It looked incredible. Mm. Um, this one's registered N627NP with the MP for Northern Pacific. I assume they are all going to carry that little uh, moniker on the end of their registrations. Um, and it's the first aircraft in the airline's fleet and definitely the first to be revealed with the distinctive livery in real life. Mm. Um, so, you know, we've seen this a few times on kind of mock-ups and CGIs, but to see it in the flesh, it looked pretty awesome. Um, and all of this took place in a hangar, a World War II hangar belonging to Certified Aviation Services, LLC. Um, mm. And those were the guys that actually did the painting as well. Um, and they kind of, they were responsible for bringing the aircraft into the hangar at the point of the reveal. So it was all very glamorous. There was lots of music and laser lights and spotlights. And uh, uh, just as a behind the scenes aside, <laughs> the guys that had to drag the plane in from outside through the big hangar doors, they must have practiced that driving in and out again about 20 times over the 24 hours before the actual reveal. They were so nervous because although, you know, they bring aircraft in and out of hangars all the time, but to do it in front of hundreds of journalists with their GoPros running, you know, mm. they had to get it spot on. Um, so, yeah, it was a well-rehearsed manoeuvre. Um, but, you know, in terms of the livery itself, apparently it reflects the natural beauty of the Alaskan wilderness. Um, don't see that myself necessarily, but it's very classy. You know, it's uh, mostly white with a big black tail. Um, there's the Northern Pacific logo down the side with a huge kind of grey N, um, which I think is really distinctive and really interesting. Um, and then they've stuck some really interesting pops of colour on the winglets, hmm. um, which apparently symbolises the Northern Lights. Um, and then, of course, famously, it's got the black mask around the cockpit windows that makes it look rather like an Airbus. And, uh, you know, we, we always get comments when we post a picture of, of their plane because it does look like a, a new generation Airbus but it's not it is a Boeing 757 it's got an mm. incredible pedigree actually it's a ex-American Airlines I think it's about 25 years old um, and they're going to be having a few more of the kind of same vintage of 757s going forward um, so far they've signed for six they won't be launching until they've got the full 12 obviously there's a lot of painting and organizing and installing of cabins and various things to do um, before that happens um, but I got to have a chat with the airline CEO, um, who's a lovely guy called Rob McKinney. Um, I think we spoke about this before, but they, you know, they're, they're still kind of sorting out all the slots and the flying rights. But he wants to serve cities in the states of New York, Florida, California, Texas and Nevada, um, flying directly to cities in Japan and Korea via Anchorage. Um, so in terms of timelines, they're looking at, I think he said his ambitious target is Q3 this year, but mm. absolutely by the end of the year. So fingers crossed for them um, that everything goes smoothly because there is still quite a lot to do. Um, but as well as the aircraft, the airline unveiled some of their passenger experience um, plans, which was okay. really interesting and, and completely unexpected, actually. So uh, their seats were on show, um, very simple, classy black leather seats with um, an embroidered logo. And they're 
going to have the typical three abreast economy seats, although some of them will be extra legroom. Um, he's kind of calling that premium economy, but it's not really. It's just an extra legroom, you know, three-three mm. economy seat. Um, but up the front, there is um, what I would call a premium economy product, but I think he's calling it first class. Is it? But it's more like domestic first. You know, it's not a lie flat product. Um, yeah. But it is a two-two layout, so they're nice and wide. They've got a generous recline. They've got a leg rest. Um, there's going to be IFE at all seats as well, which I think is good news when you're looking at those long segments. So, uh, so yeah, it's all looking pretty positive. Um, and there's going to be some treats at Anchorage Airport too. So they're building a lounge at Ted Stevens, which is going to include a mini IMAX theatre where you can go and experience like virtual tours of Alaska to try and tempt you to stay a bit longer next time. Um, so, yeah, all in all, a really um, classy event. I enjoyed it. It was good fun. Um, great to be able to get out of the UK again for once. Um, and in terms of like airlines with the stopover model, you know, they, they've already said they're kind of replicating Iceland Air. And a, another airline that's replicating Iceland Air is the startup Play. Um, and if you guys have missed our webinars, which I'm sure you will have, we are speaking with um, Play's CEO next week on February the 1st at 10 a.m. And for a change, we're live streaming on YouTube. So there'll be no kind of complex registration to be done and it will be available for watching back immediately after. So if you can't make it to the live show then do come along and enjoy it later on well i wanted to talk about 5g because that was the sort of really big topic um last week and it was just kind of crazy how quickly this this situation has unfurled because you know simple flying first reported on uh 5g um spectrum being auctioned and potentially causing some controversy back in december 2020 which is you know a long time ago a long time to sort of get things um, sorted out. But, you know, things haven't been sorted out. And, um, you know, AT&T and Verizon were ready to switch on new 5G networks. The problem with these new 5G networks is that they have um, double power antennas compared to elsewhere. And the antennas themselves are in a vertical position uh, rather than a sort of angle like all the other ones. So this could compromise the radio altimeter systems of aircraft uh, when they're landing, which obviously isn't great. So, you know, Rather than having this all nailed out months in advance, um, they came to switch on these 5G networks and everyone just said, hang on, we're not happy with this, we're going to stop flying. And it was honestly went from no one talking about it to everyone talking about it in the space of a week. Um, Tim Clark, the aviation um, person, the president of Emirates, he called the um, rollout utterly irresponsible and he really wasn't happy. You know, Emirates um, ended up cancelling all of their 777 flights to the US. Um, they left a Washington, uh, Los Angeles and New York scheduled because they were being operated by the Airbus A380, which they deemed was uh, safe to fly. And they also scheduled the A380 onto flights um, to Boston, San Francisco and Houston. Um, so this was on the Thursday that they cancelled the flights. Um, on Friday, just the six routes being operated by the A380 um, were flown. Then on Saturday, they or sorry, Wednesday, Thursday, I think. Um, anyway, <laughs> on January 21st, um, they reactivated all of the 777 routes, except the two, three that were being operated by the A380. And then they switched back to the 777 on the 22nd so it was it was really like a 
a bit of a drama, you know. I'm using Emirates mm. as an example, but Emirates wasn't they the only, the only airline. one. No. Um, you know, you had these Japanese airlines um, cancelling flights. There were Indian airlines cancelling flights. LATAM cancelled flights. Interestingly, though, it did seem to be mostly 777 operators that were cancelling flights. And, mm. you know, the reason is because um, they they couldn't have been land, uh, guaranteed that they could use the auto land system in the case of um, inclement weather. So, you know, you after a long flight from wherever you just want to be able to land easily and safely don't you yeah exactly exactly Mm. so uh have they i think they've halted the rollout slightly now haven't they around the major airports but yeah verizon and at&t they kind of they weren't happy uh and Mm. they made it clear that they weren't happy i think it was Verizon's um, CEO, but it might have been AT&T's, I read, was saying that he'd happily fly on a plane through 5G. And um, you kind of think, well, that's great, but you're the one person who would say that. Yeah, <laughs> um, exactly. It know. doesn't give you a lot of confidence, does yeah. it? <laughs> um, but, you know, they've kind of, they've suspended it for now. I think... Um, now that it's reached such a critical level, all the parties will sit down and actually work out where they go from here because, um, you know, it sh- it's just a- it should have never reached that point in the first place where uh, either AT&T and Verizon had to delay or airlines had to cancel their flights. But, uh, mm. you know, hopefully everyone can be happy. And, you know, I just I don't see why we don't just use the 5G that everywhere else uses. There's no issue. Yeah, it's been but, up and running in, in Europe hmm. for a very long time without yeah, any and aviation I mean, issues. Emirates so. has it in Dubai, you know. Yeah, so. there's, there's a blueprint ready to go. Mm. <laughs> it's just uh, for some reason the states want to do it differently. But mm. uh, I guess they'll have to come to some sort of conclusion eventually, which may mm. involve downgrading the power and adjusting the, the direction of the antenna, which you think is kind of the most logical solution. But uh, we'll yeah. have to wait and see. Yeah, exactly. So I just wanted to um, kind of have a look at what Air India is doing right now, um, because Mm. it's been a while since Tata was announced as the buyer of Air India. And we all knew that was the way it was going to go. I mean, you know, there there was some um, potential that it wouldn't, but um, Tata is the kind of Air India going back to its roots. Um, but that was, what, October, November that was announced? And yeah, nothing's really <laughs> happened yet. So originally the transfer date was meant to be the end of December. Um, but whether it's to do with COVID or just the time of year, it's taken longer than expected to secure all the approvals they need to conduct the actual hmm. physical transfer. Um, so the date's been pushed towards the end of January. Um, and now it seems that all the pieces of the puzzle are finally falling into place. So um, the closing of the balance sheet happened on January the 20th. Um, and this gives the Tata group enough time to kind of scrutinise and look through all those financials. Um, mm. It's It was handed over, as I understand, to the new owners just at the start of this week. And by the time this podcast goes out on Thursday, January 27th, it should be, with all all being well, it should be handed over to Tatas. Mm. So um, by today, by the time you're listening to this, we could be, um, Air India could be back with the Tatas. Um, Mm. But what what was interesting this week was um, the, the airline is keen to kind of overhaul its image as part of the takeover. It wants to um, make itself a more attractive airline to fly, you know, do away with some of these bad reputations it's got itself over the years. Um, But one way it's going about that is by checking whether its cabin crew are too fat, (laughs) which it just wouldn't happen elsewhere. So Hmm. um, (laughs) with... You'd hope. (laughs) You'd hope. Um, So apparently from 
now-ish, they're planning to check the BMI of cabin crew as well as their overall grooming and appearance. And they've actually appointed some people to be grooming associates who will be responsible for checking what the the crews are looking like when they're, they're checking in for duty. Mm. So when they actually um, report for duty, they're going to be weighed. They're going to have their uniform scrutinised. Um, of course, you know, the All India Cabin Crew Association is not very happy with this. They've said that it's, you know, the time between checking in for flights or reporting for flights and actually undertaking it is when there should be document checks, flight safety revision briefings, reviews, and they don't need the added stress of a BMI check or worrying Mm. about whether they're going to be slightly over whatever this, um, you know, limit is apparently going to be. But I have to say, so far, Air India hasn't said, like, whether it's checking for BMI under a certain level or whether there'll be any penalties for those who are found to be overweight Mm or even underweight, I don't know. Um, but, you know, generally, it's it's all a bit weird. Um, you know, as we know as aviation kind of professionals, aviation lovers, cabin crew are not there to be eye candy. You know, they're mm. there to be primarily f- flight safety operatives. Um, yep. They're trained in first aid. You know, they're, they're primarily for all those reasons, but they also do a bit of hosting as well. Mm. Um, and the BMI is largely irrelevant to them being able to do their job. You know, I, I read a lovely story the other day about a Virgin Atlantic cabin crew lady, and she's like 86, um, mm. but she's still employed and she still flies several times a week because, you know, just because she's elderly doesn't mean she can't do the job well Mm. um she is their oldest cabin crew member and i'm sure her bmi is probably not exactly where it should be but that doesn't make her any less of a flight attendant so uh, Mm. anyway (laughs) rant over um but hopefully by the time the podcast goes out tata will be in charge and we're hoping for lots of good things because they've got lots of money to put into the airline um maybe we'll be seeing some new aircraft revamped cabins um and maybe they'll do away with this uh, bmi check for for their cabin crews well i mean we can watch and see on there um i just kind of wanted to wrap up the podcast today by talking a little bit about my one of my favorite airlines ryanair um <laughs> but you know this is actually a really interesting story because i was reading about it last week and it you know it's basically got every single part of a spy novel um you know and this is the plot the the supposed plot to um for air piracy for uh, when Belarus commandeered one of Ryanair's um, aircraft to arrest a dissident that was on board. And, you know, um, it's interesting because the FBI have been apparently doing some really detailed investigation um, from what I was reading, and they've now charged four individuals with air piracy. Um, They're all Belarusian government officials. So there's, um, I'm going to... I'm going to tell you who they are rather than their names because I just I'm not going to be able to say these names uh, or give <laughs> that justice. So um, there was the director general of uh, Belaron Vigasta Sia, um, which is the Belarusian State Air Navigation Authority, and the deputy director general as well. Um, then there were two Belarusian state security services operatives. So. It's actually really interesting um, looking at the details of the FBI. Um, investigation because it it turns out that apparently um, the director general of the um, operations had uh, kind of decided that um, this would happen and he personally communicated the fake bomb threat to the Minsk ATC facility before this plane had even taken off from Athens, um, apparently. So um, 
you know, they're said to have waited until it was um, inside their airspace so that they could definitely have control of it. And they actually sent uh, somebody to the Minsk ATC facility to sit down next to the ATC controllers and talk them through how to effectively talk this plane onto the ground. Um, the thing that I found really interesting is that... Um, you know, they were so close to Lithuanian airspace when they turned, as we saw. And it was actually suggested in the FBI's report that the um, the people who were in charge of this were worried that the pilots of the plane were stalling for time to enter Lithuanian airspace, which would mm. just render their whole plot a failure. And, you know, I would say it kind of is a failure because we apparently know all about it now. But, you know, it, it sadly achieved their... Um, their objectives of arresting these poor people. Um, I found it really interesting, though, because they've charged these um, to uh, these four individuals, although they have made it very clear that, you know, in the US, you remain innocent until you're proven guilty. So at the moment, it's just accusations. And um, mm. these people didn't definitely do that. But read into that what you will. But um, the Belarus and the uh, United States have no extradition treaties in place. And, you know, these people aren't going to be willingly sent to the US. So um, the country, the DOD, DOJ said that they'd be working with foreign partners to bring these people to justice. But, you know, I think they're probably off scot-free, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, it's a, all a bit of a drama. I wouldn't imagine if they... I wouldn't be surprised if they made a film of it one day. I, you know, I'd watch that. I would really would. If you've... <laughs> you should read the Department of Justice press release on it because, I, I mean, I can't do it justice, briefly speaking about it on the podcast, but it, it could be a spy thriller. <laughs> Involving Ryanair. How bizarre. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, amazing. Well, I think that's about all we've got time for on today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and welcome your feedback at podcast at simpleflying.com. For more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave us a rating on your favourite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Bye.